Hey everybody, it's Matty C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. On this week's episode, I sit down for a chat with my old friends, Tommy McCord and Danielle Geiger of the Wild Honey Collective. We go deep on old time versus bluegrass, how the pandemic shaped the way we look at music, and the fact that a DIY ethos will always come in handy. Let's get into it. Everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. As always, it is wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, things have been really, really busy. I'll just jump right into it. Uh, this past Friday, I just kicked off my first radio show over at uh, suburbsradio.com. It's an internet radio program. Uh, I'm calling WAIM Radio, which is obviously an acronym for What Am I Making. Uh, the show airs every Friday at noon, but they do archive the old programs. It's a one-hour show. Uh, the way I'm going to do these is they're going to be themed, and the first one was all artists from Michigan, so head on over there, and you can check it out again. The The uh, link is suburbsradio.com, and then just search for either WAIM Radio or What Am I Making, and you'll find me. Uh, the other thing we've got going that's kind of fun here is um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, the day that this podcast comes out, Tuesday, uh, October 17th, you are one day away from uh, being able to participate in our first uh, What Am I Watching movie club. We're going to be watching a film called Breaker Morant from 1980. There are two different posts on the Substack about it over at whatamimaking.substack.com. And uh, on Wednesday morning, October 18th, I'll be sending out an email with a Zoom link and a couple of instructions on... Um, how we're going to do this movie club. So the idea is we will all have watched this film and then we're going to spend an hour or two, <clears throat> depending on how many of you there are and how long the discussion goes, we're going to break the film down. I'm going to try to do this uh, once a month. Um, next month's going to be a little weird because I'm going to be gone most of, most of November, but we'll get into that later. But uh, again, Wednesday, October 18th, the morning of the 18th, if you're a subscriber, be sure to look for a, uh, an email that will give you a link to our Zoom discussion, which is going to happen at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Wednesday night. Let's make sure you're also voting in uh, every single round of our Steven Spielberg Bracket Challenge. We are trying to whittle 32 of Mr. Spielberg's films down to the best film by the world's uh, most famous American auteur, Mr. Steven Spielberg. So we're about halfway through round one. What I'm doing is breaking these up so there are four matchups in each post right now for round one. And uh, we've gotten through the first eight, and voting continues on nine through 12 right now. I believe you can vote on those until six o'clock on Wednesday morning morning. Uh, a couple of other things on the blog. I started something that I've been thinking about doing for a very long time uh, that I was sort of pressed by an article that was released by my friend Matt Berenson. Uh, Matt's been on the podcast uh, a couple of times and is a great guy. And Matt recently published his list of the 15 REM studio records uh, ranked from uh, best to worst. And so I decided that I was going to try to do the same thing and try to write a little thing about each record. And so last week I published, uh, albums 15 through 11, uh, 
10 through 6 are coming soon, but they're not ready just yet. I will tell you, uh, and I know you REM fans will know this already, 15 to 11 is the easiest part. I can't remember who it was that commented on the piece and said, you did the easy one. I can't wait to see the others. But uh, yeah, me too. Uh, so this is where it, it, the rubber really hits the road. So pay attention in the in the coming days for uh, for there to be uh, the next installment in uh, in the best REM records. Uh, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was um, yesterday I posted uh, a new uh, installment of the Debutante Darling series about the first Joe Jackson record called Look Sharp. Um, I actually write a little bit about his second record, I'm the Man, as well, because they were written and released so close together, they came out within nine months of each other. And they're, they're I think, his two greatest records. And um, so I I hope you go over and, and check that piece out. And I hope maybe it, it forces you to go back, not forces you, but encourages you to go back and listen to those first couple Joe Jackson records, because I think they're a real treat and they're really, really amazing. Um, and uh, I got the chance to see him a few years ago with my buddy and bandmate Jeff Gower, and uh, it was a, it was amazing. His voice is still in top shape. Uh, so go over there and check that out. There's a lot going on at the blog. There's more coming this week. Um, you know, uh, the show and and the work I do at the blog are are powered by your financial support. The truth of the matter is, I can only keep doing this if I if I get paid sponsorships from you. Now I want to make this open and available and free for everybody. And so far, I haven't put up any kind of a paywall. I'll be honest with you, it's getting harder and harder to keep that up. Um, I'm starting to to wonder more and more about what I should make paid. The only way to keep that from happening, if that matters to you at all, and I don't know if it does, is uh, that I need more people to sign up for subscriptions. You can sign up for a subscription by going to whatamimaking.substack.com. It makes an enormous difference. You can sign up for as little as $6 a month, and uh, you can even sign up for uh, 60 bucks for the whole year. Or you can become a founding member and um, really contribute to the work that I'm doing here. That would that would mean the world to me. Uh, I'd also love to I'd also love to hear from you on what you like about the show, what you would like to see improved, what you maybe would like guests you'd like to hear from, uh, maybe other folks who might be able to contribute to the pod or to the blog, or things you'd like me to cover, or maybe you just have an idea or something you want to say. Email me at whatamimakingblog at gmail.com. Email me comments, questions, suggestions, ideas, whatever you got. You can also leave me a voicemail message if you go over to speakpipe.com slash whatamimaking. It'll use the microphone on your phone or your computer or tablet or whatever you're using. You can record a good old-fashioned voicemail and I could even play it on the show. Uh, Lastly, I would ask that you write rate and review the pod wherever you listen. If you haven't done this, uh, it's a really simple free thing you can do that will take you about 30 seconds. It is enormous what a difference it makes in terms of getting our pod in front of other people. The last thing I would ask is share this with one person who might appreciate it. If there's one person in your life who likes film or music or is maybe interested in kind of the underground nature of culture, this is a great place for them to be. Even if they're just a free subscriber, it's great to bring new people into the fold and to continually grow our audience. So thanks again for all your support and your friendship and your kindness and your generosity. And uh, please keep those new subscriptions coming. Please keep sharing. Um, things are growing. It's growing slowly, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. I have to I have to confess, I'm not going to say who it was. I got a, I got a follow yesterday. I got a subscriber on, on what am I making that was someone that most of you know um and it was 
for a minute, I was like, this can't really be real. And it turns out that it is real. And so um, I got followed yesterday by someone that I admire a great deal and um, who is a very successful writer and author. And um, that was really validating. Um, I don't want to name drop. I just, I just want to say how much something like that can mean. So it, it means so much to me when you guys subscribe, even if there's not any money with it. Obviously, it really helps when there's money with it because then I can spend more time on it. So thank you again for all of your support. Now let's get into the show. My uh, my dear friends Tommy and Danielle came by and we'd been trying to do this for, for quite a while. I toured with them last summer. Um, I went out and played a bunch of solo Harbor Coat and Pantone songs and we played a few songs uh, as a band every night. My, uh, my my dear friend Joel Kuiper, who is the drummer in both Harbor Coat and the Stick Arounds, went out on that tour as well, and it was a it was a really lovely experience. And um, Tommy and Danielle formed the Wild Honey Collective during the early days of the pandemic. And while they were marooned at home, they started working on some old time tunes with like fiddle and acoustic guitar. And pretty soon, they found themselves connecting with musical friends, new and old and creating a new band. Now, Tommy had been cutting his teeth since his teenage years in his punk band, The Plurals. Now, he sought to use the punk and DIY ethos that he had grown up with to create something new and the whole left behind, all while we were living out these days, separated from each other in quarantine. And as the world opened up slowly... Wild Honey began trekking across the state and eventually the country with a revolving cast of characters in tow, yours truly included. There is a foundational group of members, many of whom may not always be available for touring. And so this approach opens up the opportunity for other musicians in the Wild Honey orbit to tour or play locally or even record with the band. In fact, Wild Honey are at work right now in their first collaborative EP with Detroit artist and musician Jeremy Porter. The band hopes that this is the first in a string of collaborations like this that can be slated for release. With a love for vintage arrangements, new originals, interesting covers, and the power of collaboration, Wild Honey brings a joy to the stage wherever and whenever they appear. The interwoven harmonies of Danielle and Tommy, along with the musicians that are joining them that night, are always a special treat. It was a genuine joy and pleasure to welcome my dear friends and touring partners into the Shedio for a chat about love, learning to be in a band, and the musical family they're building with each and every song. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with Tommy and Danielle of Wild Honey Collective. Enjoy. was um three years ago almost exactly that we were staging the gtg fest's live stream at your oh my god at your work holy shit that was three years ago yeah okay uh i'm trying to remember did we do two nights we just did the one day we just did the one we, day we, we, we met up the day before right and to like test so the show it. itself was just that saturday yeah okay yeah like um two to ten or whatever yeah what a blur. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I think back on those events, those COVID quarantine era live streams, 
And I think I like learned how to do a bunch of stuff because because at the GTG Fest we were we had bands streaming multi track high quality recording stream two camera angles at your work and then and we, Ian's yeah. and learning how to do it all on the fly. Yep, yep. And then and then a band would play in well Potterville, but the the yeah, the, the Lansing uh, location, and then we would live stream in someone else from New Jersey and Chicago. <coughs> I, it's insane to me. How, how did we do that? <laughs> like, I don't think I could do that now. <laughs> All the shit we did. Danielle's just having Something a... about going live makes me Dan- have to cough. Dan- Danielle's just having an asthma attack. No big deal. I'm going to get my... I don't have COVID. You don't have COVID. <laughs> um, you, might have, you might have emphysema, but we're waiting on results. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and I, like you said, I don't even know if I could remember how to do that shit yeah and i didn't know how to do it before covid it was like we learned it yep we did it and then we just forgot it all yeah it's like the opposite of riding a bike yep exactly <laughs> <laughs> i did a i did a zoom interview um uh, something i know matt i know you do um you know plenty of things of that ilk uh to <laughs> um but um I did a Zoom interview with a uh, local spins, the Grand Rapids based uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, media uh, site, and and I you know, the guy John you know, who's super great he you know like oh I'd like to do an in person chat I mean he's in Rockford and I'm in Lansing and I was like well we'll do Zoom and I was like I, I need to download Zoom <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have it I didn't even have it like ready to go yeah, and then the, you listen to the the interview and it still sounds like I'm calling in from 1998. Like, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, how did I have this good a couple years and ago? And what's funny is I did actually do a couple just like good old fashioned phone interviews over COVID. Too. Yeah. <coughs> like I was able to just like somebody would just call my phone and I would answer it and they would record that. Mm-hmm. And it was the most simple, obvious way to do it. And when I like I did that with Timmy on that radio show that he does in Lowell. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when the Harbor record came out and like I got all done and I was like, this is too easy. Yeah. Like I don't have to like log off or anything. I just don't <coughs> anyway. Um so Danielle, are you okay? I'm fine. Okay. Would you like some water? I think that stifling my cough is making me have to cough more. Okay, then I think you should let it out and it'll be like really it'll be like an exorcism of <coughs> lung disease or whatever some, it is. Some Catholicism for me. Um <coughs> all right, I think, uh, I think I'm good. Hold on, hold on. What's the uh the power of Christ compels you? That's the line. Oh yeah. yeah. That always works. Oof, that felt um, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a good chiropractor. Pseudoscience. Um, so this yeah. this brings me to an interesting observation, Tommy. Where does the sort of like formation of wild honey, like where do you think of that happening, and how does that, how does I guess what I'm asking is, is there a tie-in between all of this having to learn all this new technology, and starting an old-timey string band? Like, did those happen at the same time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> so uh, what was the genesis of Wild Honey? How did that happen out of the plurals? Like, <clears throat> why and how and from where? Well, I got my first guitar uh, Christmas Day when I was 10. Okay. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, when, when I have more time to talk about this, I always say that um, that there was it was a very slow, gradual... Um, idea that that you know kind of formed without you know thinking about it really, uh, but it was Danielle. Hi Danielle. Hi. <laughs> uh, it was Danielle and I being locked into the house together in uh, spring of 2020 <clears throat> that um, compelled us, much like Christ, uh, <laughs> the power, uh, but uh, compelled us to uh, 
If you edit out that uh, the part, power of the, COVID compels me. Yeah, you. if you edit out that that part about the coughing, I'm gonna just sound insane uh, <laughs> saying that. But um, uh, that um, that compelled us just to learn the old time tunes together. <clears throat> and for people that don't know what an old time tune is, uh, typically we we think of them as fiddle tunes, but um, you know, instrumental, largely pieces. Some of them have vocals, but you know, traditional folk songs that are kind of meant to be played. Um, in like a unison uh, sort of round circle sort of setting, right? Is it fair yeah. to say that they're a bit like a precursor to what we kind of think of as the American songbook, but they're more instrumental and they're designed to be played on folk instruments? Like they're, they became essentially standards of an era to uh, be played in homes and at gatherings yeah. and weddings. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the people's music. It's like, <laughs> unlike bluegrass where people take... Um, solos i guess it's uh old time music tends to be an a part and a b part that everyone plays nobody everyone plays the same exact thing and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you can join in and it's really easy to learn because <clears throat> they play it a thousand times over and over and over again <laughs> uh, and it's and it is really uh really inspiring uh, you know now having been part of some some pretty epic uh old time jam circles i mean jam isn't even the word but you kind of use it for lack of a another <laughs> existing term uh but some pretty uh, you know long extended breaks uh, um or not breaks but um sessions at some of these festivals like uh wheatland where you, know, you get a bunch of fiddlers in a circle with accompanying instruments like guitar and banjo um and mandolin and kind of it's just really great just because people start with you know usually there's like someone who really knows the tune and they start it and then everybody else kind of by ear picks up the main notes you know usually you know like anything with sort of you know major scale western music it's really kind of just based around three to five notes most of the time uh the melody is and then everybody kind of starts figuring out those and then you figure out the connecting notes and and it goes on for 15 minutes and just this melody and it's it's awesome <laughs> is there it, yeah. so it seems to me like there would be and I haven't done this specifically, but mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I think I've always been drawn to music and playing music is that I'm somebody who struggles to stay in the moment. Mm-hmm. And in music, you have to. Mm-hmm. And it becomes the sole thing that you're doing. Yeah. Do you think that's intensified in a group setting like that, where everybody's kind of focusing on like the unison nature of it? Do you think there's a uh, um, maybe an automatic community building aspect to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like Danielle said, you know, like, you know, bluegrass... Um, you know, bluegrass music is built around this kind of more virtuoso instrumental um, element, where people, you know, you, and and the great, and, you know, the the thing is, there's so much cross section between these. And I'm and I'm by no means an expert. I'm like, you know, five years into studying this stuff. Um, but um, you know, where you, you'll hear bluegrass players take these tunes and then add a ton of cool you know extended melodies counter melodies to it and then they take solos and they play at breakneck speed and it's you know difficult to comprehend what you're you're seeing it's kind of designed to be and look impressive yep yep right and Um, uh and and me with my background you know i i think of it as like you know bluegrass is you know speed metal and old time is is punk (laughs) yeah i was gonna i was gonna say uh not necessarily speed metal, but like um, yeah. sort of like uh, gith- guitar theatrics in like a glam band mm-hmm. kind of yep. thing. You know, again, very performative and showy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, 
and you sort of beat me to the punch of the segue, which is it does sort of seem like a natural progression of somebody who has literally spent a lifetime working in the punk ethos. Yeah, yeah. Doing the DIY thing. Mm-hmm. Um, learning, like every kid, three chords, and then that leads to 50 songs, and then you learn one more, and it leads to 100 songs, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Danielle, put- how did you kind of arrive at the fiddle? Had you had you played since childhood? Um, yeah, I mean, I played, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the viola in middle school, but mainly my uncle Bruce, uh, Bruce Bowman, um, who's, uh, one of the founders of Wheatland Music Festival, <clears throat> turned me on to it, so I haven't actually seriously played since the last five, ten years, so. That's awesome. Yeah. So there was a big pause between <coughs> sort of playing and learning and then doing the Wild yeah. Honey thing. There was a big break. Um, yeah. Was it scary to get started again? I don't know about scary, but definitely like intimidating. Like yeah. I would go see people like Arizona Lewis and, or, you know, even my uncle or just anyone. And I'd be like, well, I'm done. <laughs> I'll never be that good. But I think that's <clears throat> part of the beauty about fiddle playing is that you can, you can be sloppy. You can be like, you know, Michael Hurley or like, you know, you're allowed to not be good in order to it's it's all about you know just having fun and learning tunes it's about the process of 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 engagement right yeah i mean it's it's doing it is better than not doing it because you would do it poorly totally um i say on my deathbed (laughs) (laughs) which you sound like you're on i know uh yeah my death couch your death couch it's it's really more of a death love seat we couldn't afford a death couch <laughs> we're uh we're yes, working please. on our we're working on our hospice furniture but it's, <laughs> it's slow going the subscribers are uh, coming in slowly sorry danielle um Someday. we really thought we were going to have your mortuary wing all set up for your interview i'm sorry it truly is an exit interview <laughs> tuberculosis is still a real thing yeah uh i'm pretty Google sure it. there's a bluegrass song about that yeah, um Soldier How story. do you guys go through the process of like figuring out what songs make sense for you guys to do both in terms of what you play and the people that you are and the kind of music you you create that's not traditional? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we go about it? Uh, well, the original the original coming together for a Wild Honey Collective was, as we were saying before, the uh, uh, quarantine lockdown situation. And and at that point it was okay. Well, what do we what do we have that we can play acoustically? Because we were meeting up for these outdoor, very small jam sessions uh, initially with Timmy and then with with Dan. And so it was okay. Well, what can you do that you can <laughs> play in that environment? Because not every song necessarily translates to no drums, no amplification. Um, but we were able to get a songbook together really fast. It was sort of, you know, instantly we had an album was kind of the the, the outcome of that. But and, it, and the album to me, especially going back and listening to it now, feels very much like a process of sort of like discovery and mission statement all in one. Mm-hmm. Kind of figuring out what do we sound like, what... <clears throat> what are the original songs going to be like? How do they fit with... It feels really exploratory, but in a way that all makes sense together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a bit like a roadmap that's been torn up and then taped back together. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, I know for me with Wild Honey Collective, I've approached it as a singer way more than anything else that I've done. And a lot of that's Danielle's doing. <laughs> um, Danielle's made me a much better singer. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, I... Um, you know, I, I listen to some uh, uh, older plural stuff sometimes, and I think, like, man, I really should have lowered this key. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of squeaky. Um, and uh, and then that's, you know, just like with anything, you know, you get, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you get better over time. Um, so with with the, what the Wild Honey stuff, I've definitely, you know, like, paid attention to, you know, where where does my voice have the better tone? And, and that goes, then, you know, leads into when we select you know, what what country standards are we going to try to add to the set and you know things like that and because not everything has worked you know we definitely tried some things at practices and like nah you know but, and at this point in the set what percentage is you know standards or traditional songs and what percentage is, is new stuff that you guys have written um it's you know it depends on the show of course but when when we do the you know, like a two hour show. Um, it's, it's kind of about 50%, um, traditionals and, uh, and covers and then 50% nice original songs. And that's kind of the vibe. I mean, that was certainly what, where the set was when we toured together last Mm -hmm. summer, that was the, the case. And I just didn't know how much it had, had sort of ebbed and flowed Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Um, how do audiences respond? I would think for a lot of people, this would be a new experience for them. I would think there would be a bunch of people for whom this is the world in which they traffic, mm-hmm. right? And then I would think there would be a bunch of people for whom they, they don't really run into this much. Mm-hmm. The, that is true. <laughs> uh, so talk to me about the people who are experiencing it for the first time. How do they react to it? How do they respond? Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, really... There, there's something about the, the the tempo of a lot of the songs that just really gets people, uh, you know, bouncing. But like, <laughs> um, like like kids, right? Mm-hmm. That we, that it it seems like a, a lot of people just you know, have have no have no basis for this more traditional stuff. So it's like this blown away. I'm stumbling over my words here, kind of poorly, but people are really imp- impressed by like the pedal steel guitar <laughs> mm-hmm. just just being there at all and then the the fiddle and the mandolin and all that and there's a i loathe the word novelty when it comes yeah. to music because it sounds like it's going to be like oh it's a tiny tim show mm-hmm. <laughs> um but there is like there's a novelty to it in that people are used to seeing guitars and bass and drums mm-hmm. and maybe a keyboard mm-hmm. yeah, i are, had a um just adam and i did a duo thing at um horrocks a couple weeks ago and we had someone come up to us and just say, you know, in Lansing, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with this, but like they said, you know, in Lansing, we're happy to just settle for a guy that can kind of sing with a guitar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take umbrage with that. But uh... Uh, so, so, you know, to, so to see people, you know, playing and you know, playing something more interesting and and playing it well is really a treat. And and again, I don't necessarily agree with all that. But a that, very nice compliment. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, uh, yeah, but like I mean, we're not the we didn't invent anything, you know. <laughs> we're, we're not even the best people around here doing this stuff. No, but but we we are towing a line that other people. But you're also haven't. not doing it the same way anybody else is doing it. Thank you're you. not doing. You're not a. 
Uh, one of the things I struggle with sometimes with this world of music is that it can be too academic. Mm-hmm. It can be too scholarly and not emotive enough. And that it's about... Uh, people miss why Harry Smith thought these songs were cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, instead of just let's put them together because they're important. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, um, you know, we, without having much of a chip on our shoulder, you know, we see a lot of really great talented singers as we play shows around but like you know you me and dan we were talking um after the, you know, that one show up, up north just that um i can't remember specifically what we said but we we would rather be a little a little rougher <laughs> than than some of the two perfect things that we see sometimes you know Again, without, without, without the ego. Yeah. Uh, but again, you you have to make a choice for your own work. Yeah. And you also have to do what fits for your mm-hmm. y- your own style and your own. Quite frankly, the enjoyment level you want out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Okay. I'll ask the ten thousand dollar question. Um. How fucking impossible is it to be in a band with your partner? <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> Um, awesome. Glad we got that answer yep. out of the way. Yeah. Now, would you care to answer my question with honesty? <laughs> uh. <clears throat> and I don't mean, to, and I don't mean to, because clearly it is great. Mm-hmm. You guys are having a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful experience yeah. to, to see you, but there is a, there's a yeah. logistical side to being yeah. in a band that's challenging. So this is my first band. Um, and this is Tommy's like, I don't know, 50th band perhaps. <laughs> So I think that's the aspect that it's like, you know, I'm not used to, or I guess it took me a while to get used to how to be in a band. I think it's such a foreign thing to just hop into Mm -hmm. and all of our band members have also been in bands forever. So I was kind of like, oh, this is how you, you know, do a roadie now. This is how you do all the things like, you know, I was completely new to it. So it was 99% such a good learning experience and super amazing and beautiful one percent a little like oh huh uh <laughs> i kind of want to go go paint a picture walk in the um you know, 1% I, I gotta <laughs> i gotta be honest there's that moment every time i go out on the road mm-hmm. yeah and i just go okay so today's the day i really want to be home yeah yeah <laughs> and you have to accept that that's going to happen mm-hmm. or at least i do and i have to accept that it's going to suck and I know it will end Mm -hmm. and I know that I won't feel like that two days in a row Mm -hmm. or at least I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, I would think that would be a little easier being together. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that you're sort of in a way taking home with you. Yep. Is there a side of that where it's like, fuck, we're taking home with us. (laughs) Like, is there that too? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course there's an element of, of all, of all these things. I, I mean, I think the, um, you know the, the 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 advantage of yeah having your having your partner with you is is great. Uh, it, it, it 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 certainly outweighs any um, any disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know it's when you're tearing down from the gig. That's the worst part, right? You know. Always. And you know it's like okay, we we just played for four hours and it was awesome, but now we have to tear down. And and drive somewhere. And drive somewhere. <laughs> I don't. It might and, uh, be five minutes away. It mm-hmm. might be five hours away. But it's somewhere. Yep. It's not where we are right now. Yep. And that's that. That takes uh, a toll on on everybody, and we all manage that in um, different ways. And 
after a while, you grow weary of living out of a car mm-hmm. and a suitcase and <laughs> other people's spare rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sooner or later, you you must go home. <laughs> you must. Yes. What's the longest that you guys have been out for as a collective? Um, I think 10, 12 days. Okay. Yeah. So a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good stretch of time. Yeah. It's long enough to lose your sense of balance mm-hmm. in the real world. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes is wonderful and sometimes is terrifying. So for um, for for me with this band as it being a, a project that I started when I was 33, as opposed to you know like the plurals as I started when I was 16, and um, so with uh, with Wild Honey Collective, it's very much from the beginning the idea of having it be something that we could. Uh, all relax with <laughs> so in other we, words to, to, to put a word in your mouth make it sustainable <laughs> um well well that too but um i <laughs> of course uh but what i'm thinking of what i'm getting at is that we we made it a point to have our our touring work be to you know maine and copper harbor <laughs> right <laughs> those are the places we've been to uh multiple times now yeah and uh the the, the other guys you know timmy and dan the other, you know, main main founders of the collective. You know, they have they have families, so we've worked, you know, family vacation into our Upper Peninsula trips, and that's been uh, that's been great. That's been one of my favorite things is when we get get somewhere, and it's like we just have our, our whole commune. <laughs> it, it, I think at it, it, those moments, it really is a collective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is anyway, but like mm-hmm. then it truly like takes yep. on that whole thing where it's. It's even more than just the people who are making music. Yeah. Yep. It's all the families that are attached to it. Absolutely. And there's a huge part of that. I mean, um, like you were talking about your uncle and, and sort of the tradition in your family. And, um, you know, y- you both come from families that have been super supportive of what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm lucky that I've had that, too. A lot of people don't yeah. have that good fortune. Um. What what the hell happened in Ionia for a few years? <laughs> I know, right? Like yeah. I look at the crew of of all of you that came out of there over a I mean, what is it? Basically a 5 or 6 year period? That uh I mean the I mean there there's a group of guys that, you know, played in bands around here that are about 9 years older than me. Okay. And um and then I'm Four years older, five. I'm well. I'm six years older than Billy Strings. Okay, so so it's basically a fifteen year yeah, window. Yeah, okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> that was the thing that was so weird about going to Bourbon and Beyond was because he was the he was the second to last headliner mm-hmm. on Thursday night. We didn't go, mm-hmm. and we we're walking around on Friday morning at the festival. And everybody's got a fucking Billy Strings t shirt. Yeah, on. oh yeah. And yeah. you know, of course, you know, I expect that, but I'm like, he's just he's just a kid from down the way. Yep. <laughs> like it's just. It's very weird. But like as much as everybody who's listening to this conversation knows about that, I'm much more interested in kind of the people that you came up with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, all of the people that, that kind of created GTG, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. how, how does all that come from one little town and then wind up in Lansing and maintain momentum for 20 years? How does that happen? Uh there's a lot that I can't answer because <laughs> I just don't know. Um, but they're, they're definitely, you know, 20 years ago or so when it was sort of truly coming together. You know, we were 
you know, it was pre ubiquitous internet. So there was still just a whole lot of kind of stumbling into people at the community center shows. And, you know, the we you kind of had two choices in Ionia. Like you either go to Lansing or Grand Rapids right. <laughs> to, to get your nightlife. And there's something about the more, um, the less pretentious, <laughs> more blue collar, uh, side of Lansing that appealed to a certain group of people and and what you guys were here. doing at the time and did for a while played a lot better here than it did in GR yeah yeah you yeah. weren't you weren't metal kids mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah GR in the early aughts would have been fallow ground yeah yep <laughs> it, it is funny I, I know I've played in Grand Rapids like a hundred times but I have very <laughs> very few Shows that I even remember. <laughs> uh, it's a very strange town. Yep. Um, where, where do you sort of see the arc of this going forward? Like, and if it stays the same, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But like, do you have changing visions? Like, do you uh, do you look to go farther afield with touring? Are you looking to? Uh, uh, one of the things that's really exciting is that you seem to incorporate a lot of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't know if any if there were going to be new people who might be involved. I don't know. Maybe you don't have any plans. I don't know. Um, I I like to say I have soft plans because I I like to pivot and adapt to um to the circumstance and reality. Although Danielle might be like, you don't like to pivot and adapt at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, we uh started the band. You know, I, I put the word collective in it for a reason, and that was to have it be. You know, I I don't I didn't want it to be like a source of stress for anybody, you know like oh I can't do these shows like okay that's not a big deal like well, and the essential know. idea was that as long as the two of you were there, mm-hmm. or you, you you and Adam have done shows together. Yep, you know um and, th- and that's kind of the that there's a that there's yeah. basically there's a core element to it and then it can it can mm-hmm. blossom from there. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, one thing that I'm that we're slowly working on right now that I can announce it now but um <laughs> is uh is more um more collaborations more I mean so bringing more people into it you know, we're we're working on some material with Jeremy Porter awesome um, where, that we're gonna put out I recorded some mandolin parts yesterday for that um and Adam and I went down to his place the other week and worked on some stuff together and uh you know we've we've worked with uh with a, a guy named uh, Jack Schuler a little bit. He goes by Jack Straw. He's okay. a guy, a guy from, uh, well, basically from Florida who moved up here because his wife is from here, and uh, and he's a great more more uh, bluegrass oriented player. But we're working on something with him, and kind of the the vision is just to kind of keep expanding it, and sort of have all of these all these little offshoots that you know form one big thing. <laughs> And just kind of continuing to build the community and keep working together and you know, let it let it naturally be what it turns into. And it sounds to me like it's basically a lot like GTG. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just want to, you know, be able to play as much as possible <laughs> is part of it, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you've done a really good job of spreading the wealth you've you've managed to incorporate a lot of people that mm-hmm. it's we all talk about wanting to do things together mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then it's really hard to make them happen. And you're a person who's better at that than most people are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. About following through and making that happen. Yeah. I mean, we're we're due to come back around to something with you as well. You know. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. This. I'm here. Yep. So, uh, but I, I really just you know I I want to do like a series of EPs with people. That's like a big thing that I want to do is you know. Jeremy Porter and the Wild Honey Collective, Jack Straw and the Wild Honey That's Collective. That's awesome. You know? I um, yeah. I think doing that kind of stuff, in addition to being really interesting as a listener, would be fascinating mm-hmm. for you to kind of see what gets pulled out and what what yeah. gets what gets focused on as you change who you work with. Mm-hmm. Danielle, do you feel like there's maybe a, a part of this process that you found most surprising, mm-hmm. or that that you think kind of continually um, maybe brings you joy or excitement, I mean, other than just playing with your bandmates and your husband? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's my first time in a band, so I'm just constantly kind of learning, and that's been the most um, satisfying thing about it or, like, rewarding thing about it is that, you know, I, I grew up playing music, and, like, playing music is, is not foreign to me, but being in a band and learning how to, yeah, I mean, learning how to be in a band is such a cool s- skill, and, like, um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's been such a good adventure. And, I have found it to be a little bit like um, learning how to be in a different family. Yeah. In a way. Um, <clears throat> there are the same level of sort of expectations and yeah. body language and it's the best cult you could possibly be the in. best what a perfect way to end our interview <laughs> being in a band is the best cult you can be in isn't it that's it what really, a cult member would say um take that Scientology. i uh, i do not want to be deprogrammed uh thank you both for doing this so much i really appreciate thank it you. yeah yeah There they go, my dear friends, Tommy and Danielle from Wild Honey Collective. I hope they're your friends now. Please make sure you're going over and checking out their stuff. Uh, They are available on Spotify and Apple Music. Obviously, if you enjoy it on those platforms, find a way to spend some money, buy a CD, some vinyl, a T-shirt, send them a few bucks on Instagram or Bandcamp or something. But I hope you go check it out. They're wonderful people making wonderful music and... uh, They're building an incredible family, and I'm so honored, humbled, and thrilled to just be a part of it. Uh, Thank you again so much for being here. It means the world to me to have you here, to have you engaged in this. Make sure you're voting in that Steven Spielberg thing. I want to hear your comments and your questions for future episodes. Who should I be talking to? Who should I be interviewing? What records am I missing? What film should I have seen by now that came out in 2023 that somehow I haven't talked about yet? Let me know. All right, my friends, I'll see you over at whatamimaking.substack.com. Make sure you sign up for a paid subscription if you haven't already. It is the engine that keeps this bus moving. Instead of closing out with Dave Baldwin's awesome theme music this week, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of Wild Honey Collective so you can get a taste of what it is that they do. So thank you again for being here. Thanks again to Tommy and Danielle. And I'll let my friends in Wild Honey take it away. Have a great day, gang. Bye-bye.